0: Hey, you're listening to episode number 124 of the Keto Diet Podcast, and today we're chatting about is it keto, how to answer that for yourself, how long to eat keto to see results, does protein affect your keto experience, how to eat keto without counting and stay on point with savvy eating, and so much more. If you guys have questions about today's content, head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. You can grab today's podcast extras and transcript, including links to the Dirty Dozen, the Clean 15, and a bunch of other things that we mentioned in today's episode by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E124. I got one cool thing for you today today. And that is that I've been a pretty busy bee writing my next book. It is a cookbook. It has over 140 recipes in it. It is just, oh my gosh, I love this book. I mean, I love my first paperback book for a bunch of other reasons, but this book, I'm just so proud of the recipes and the meal planning and just the overall structure of the book is just something so near and dear to my heart and really shares a practice that I've been using to feed myself and my family for years and years and years. And it's just so easy and shows you how to meal plan properly on a ketogenic diet focused on whole foods. I have incorporated dairy for those that are really interested in dairy. If you're not interested in dairy, no worries. All of the recipes are dairy-free, but I also wanted to show you how to cook with dairy if that's part of your keto protocol, and that was a huge, huge takeaway from the last book. A lot of people saying that they just want a dairy in their keto recipes, so I've included both instructions so everyone is happy. If you want to pre-order the book ahead of time, that would be amazing, not only for me, but also for you, because if you're planning on getting the cookbook anyway— If you pre-order, at least with Amazon, they have a price guarantee. So from the time you pre-order right now to when the book launches in April, you'll pay the lowest rate that it will be from today, February 3rd, 2019, to when it launches in April. So if it goes down to $17, and by April it's up to $30 you only get charged $17 and you don't actually get charged today for the pre-order and you can always cancel if you decide not to get it later so if you want all the pre-order options and all the things you can head on over to ketodietbook.com and then once you've pre-ordered go back to ketodietbook.com and click on the free with your copy link at the top you can enter in your email address and i'll send you a free keto essentials bundle complete with an allergen-free guide a 3-day meal plan and a special coupon code okay let's do this thing welcome to the keto diet podcast the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat balance your hormones and heal your body starting and maintaining keto can be challenging without the right support so just for listening to the podcast i want to give you 20 percent off the keto beginning with the coupon code keto podcast that's all one word this 30-day program gives you a clear step-by-step how-to so you can quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. Go to healthfulpursuit.com begin to get your keto beginning discount today. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of happyketobody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Today's guest is Diane Sanfilippo, the owner and founder of Balance Bites, a certified nutrition consultant and two-time New York Times bestselling author of Practical Paleo, the 21-day sugar detox series, and co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Diane holds a BS from Syracuse University and is certified in holistic nutrition from Bauman College, holistic lifestyle coaching from Czech Institute, and Polyquin Biosignature Modulation. She writes for her popular health blog balancebites.com and is the co-host of the balance bites podcast diane lives in san francisco with her husband scott and two fur kids diane released keto quick start on january 1st 2019 which is a beginner's guide to a whole foods ketogenic diet and i'll include the link to her book in the show notes so today we're chatting all about food and stocking your pantry and how to choose the quote-unquote right keto foods. So if you have a copy of my program, The Keto Beginning, check out pages 83 to 85 where I've outlined everything about the keto pantry and quality food and how to choose what's right for your family. And I also talk about keto ingredients and what to be wary of on pages 86 to 88 of the keto beginning. So you can grab your copy if you don't already have one by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash begin. Okay, let's jump over to this interview. Hey, Diane, how's it going?
1: Good. How are you? I'm so good. Thanks for coming on the show. This is so great. I'm so excited that we're actually getting a chance to do this. This is like, just, I'm thrilled.
0: Cool. Okay. That's amazing. That's so cool. And it means so much coming from you. It's pretty
1: exciting to be able to chat with you on the show. Well, thank you. I don't even think I'm a blogger anymore. If I write a blog post, I'm like, you guys, I wrote a blog post. (laughs) So I feel like I've, I've abandoned my blogging camp for a while and I feel like I need to get back there, but you know, eventually life
0: happens, exactly. books happen. You're not the first guest this week to tell me that same thing of like, I just want to, you know, maybe like write a blog post because who
1: does that now? It's all <laughs> there's, something, there's something so great about like sitting down, you'll know, and starting and also finishing something like in one sitting that I think we don't get to do when we write books. I mean, it's such a, it's such a great thing and a privilege to write a book. But at the same time, you're like, I just want to push a thing out into the world a little faster than many, many months. And yeah, yeah, anyway.
0: And all the blood, sweat and tears that go into it.
1: (laughs) Totally totally
0: so i wanted to chat with you today about struggles and myths and things that are going on in keto that are quite hot topics but before we get to that i like to ask all of our guests this
1: question what does keto mean to you so i think about this in two different ways one i think about the word keto ketosis ketogenic as a metabolic state obviously and you know, a lot of people ask, like, is a certain food keto? Is it not keto? And I'm like, well, the food can't really be keto or not. It's just whether or not it promotes your body getting into ketosis. And that's the end of the story because ketosis is a metabolic state. So, you know, from the scientific point of view, that's what I think about ketosis from the practical side, which is really where kind of my sweet spot is. And I, I spend, you know, 90% of my time living in the practical. It's, eating foods that are low carb and avoiding high carb, high sugar foods so that we can promote fat burning. And that's really it. I don't, I don't personally concentrate on or focus on ketones. I will do some testing just to be like, oh, I think I'm in ketosis and kind of like check and see if I'm right. But I really go by feel. And I think that teaching people to go by feel tends to work better in the longer term because, looking for numbers and not paying attention to what your body is telling you, I think can be kind of a slippery slope. So that's,
0: that's what it means to me. Cool. I love it. Okay. So getting into the hot topic pieces, and you mentioned one, and I want to kind of blow that out a bit is Mm -hmm. the whole, is it keto? Because I posted a picture recently (laughs) of uh, carrot sticks with um, Primal Kitchen Ranch dressing, and uh, I don't even know what else. And I got a bunch of hate mail being like, but that's not keto. Stop eating carrots.
1: Thoughts? I'm kind of laughing because as someone who like came up from the paleo scene and we had paleo police. It's like, now you're getting the keto police. And I think that's kind of funny. And I also feel like I'm a bit shielded from that because people haven't known me as a keto person for the last however many years. When truthfully, when I was writing Practical Paleo, I was eating keto paleo. I just wasn't talking about it because nobody was really talking about it. Maybe a couple of people, sorry, there's like a hair or something. I'm, like, I'm I not crazy. It. I'm like, there's something, I don't know if my nose is dripping or whatever. <laughs> Shake um, it off. <laughs> so there, um, so I was eating keto paleo when I wrote Practical Paleo, but I just didn't talk about it. And in fact, when I got to the end of writing that book, I was like, I should probably add some more carbs to this because people are gonna accidentally be eating low carb and it wasn't really what I was aiming for, but that's how I was eating. Um, And I was tracking my macros to some degree while while I was doing that. And so the idea of, is it keto? I think people get trapped in that mindset or that question or that, I don't know, it's like this paralysis of, can I have? They're looking for permission and also looking, honestly looking for gray area. Because when we give people a really hard and fast set of rules, like this food is keto and this food isn't, naturally for a lot of people, it promotes this idea of like, well, I want the forbidden thing. And I think that I, what I honestly see happening and let me just put this out there. I'm not a hater. So I don't care if people use whatever sweetener they use, whatever flowers use. I don't care what people do. I just will always have my opinion of it. And it doesn't mean my opinion of the person doing it is bad. It's just, I don't choose that for myself. So what I think happens when we decide, you know, these sweeteners are keto, these aren't, if we put these labels on it, it means that people then become scared of the thing that isn't keto, because somehow then we've assigned good to keto and bad to everything else. And I think what we also do is scare people into thinking that if it's not keto, it's not healthy. Or if it's not keto and you were trying to eat keto, now you're doing it wrong and you're a bad person. Like there's all this morality that comes into play. And yes, there are things that happen metabolically if you're mostly eating for ketosis and then you go and eat some carbs or a lot of carbs. And you'll feel that. And that's, it is what it is. And, you know, in my book, I talk about the people for whom that's not a good place to be. And it's very few people. But for most people, we actually have a little bit of metabolic flexibility. And that's not a bad thing where we can be eating for ketosis most of the time and then have a little break and it's okay. And so I think that it's like trying to decide is a food keto or not. Of course, a giant, you know, two scoop cone from Haagen-Dazs. No, like you're not going to be in ketosis eating that, but some carrots, some raspberries, you don't know whether or not the person eating that is going to stay in ketosis. And also, who cares? Like, it's up to them if they want to stay in ketosis or not. So, I think that a lot of it comes from the myth of also eating for ketosis or being in ketosis is the only way to lose body fat. And that's a really big myth because I'm like, did y'all miss Jane Fonda all through what the 80s? It's like, people can lose body fat a lot of different ways. But my, my case for keto is that for those of us, and I put myself in this category, for those of us who find it much more enjoyable and comfortable and easy to be eating low carb and feel good most of the time, after the first week or two of that transition, not having cravings, not being super hungry, for a lot of us who struggle eating the other way that many people feel fine eating, which is you know low fat, high carb this feels a lot better. It's easier. It's easier for us to say, okay, I'm eating this and now I'm done. And I don't feel like going crazy. And it does promote sustained, safe, you know, long-term fat loss for that reason. So I think that there's a lot of myths packed up into that. And yeah, that's kind of where it begins is I think this like good, bad keto is the only way to lose body fat or it's, if it's not keto, it's not good,
0: you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I totally feel you on that and agree with you 100%. Back to today's episode in a sec. Some people choose to do plant-based keto and others do carnivore-based keto. And I'd like to think I'm somewhere in the middle, loving meat and plants. I thrive on the right kind of animal protein. Protein from healthy animals, animals that get treated fairly, have happy lives on pasture, and are raised ethically. This is why I choose to eat grass-fed and finished beef, free-range chicken, heritage-bred pork, and wild fish. I'm so happy I can get all of these options from Butcher Box, a meat subscription service I've used since 2016. Listeners of the show get a free filet mignon, pack of bacon and $10 off their first box, plus free shipping from now until the end of February 2019. You can head on over to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to order your first box and get your free filet mignon, bacon and $10 off your first order. Okay, back to today's episode. So you mentioned, you know, your body thrives on less carbohydrates what's your relationship with carbohydrates now? What are your thoughts on incorporating carbohydrates? Because you said, of course, if you eat a huge Häagen-Dazs ice cream, <laughs> then you, yeah, your ketones yeah. will suffer. But do you feel like carbs have a place on a ketogenic diet for some people or kind of what's your thought around that? So so I look at
1: this a couple different ways. I think if somebody is trying to experience short-term high level of benefit, then kind of being a little a little more rigid or a little bit more strict can be beneficial. And when I say short-term, I mean like three to six months, because I don't think we can really see much change in three weeks or four weeks. You can definitely start to change your habits in that much time. You can get used to buying different foods. You can get used to building your plate differently. You can get used to how you feel. But I think that for actually seeing benefits, it takes much longer, minimum of about 12 weeks. And so this idea of whether it's going to be short-term or are you looking at a lifestyle change? Or are you not sure? And I think it's okay to not be sure. I think you can tackle it short-term, be a little more strict short-term, and then observe how you feel about it. So for me, if I'm eating strictly keto for you know three weeks, four weeks, I hit a point where I'm like, okay, well, it's summer and I kind of want some cherries because they're in season. And the idea that this real whole food is off limits forever seems crazy to me and as somebody who again like i don't i don't have type 1 diabetes and i'll talk about that in a second but i have that metabolic flexibility where you know what if one day a week i want to have some more carbs i'll have them and then i think it's important to observe how do i feel after that do i feel in mentally and physically right like emotionally mentally physically physically if it was some cherries i probably don't feel anything one way or the other, like good. I probably feel pretty good, and that's really it. If it was a bunch of gluten free cookies or cookie dough or something like that, you know, I probably enjoyed it in the moment. And I probably don't feel so great for a couple of days after. But what I think giving people this sort of break, I don't call it a cheat day or any of that, but this break in the rigidity, I think promotes a better balance long-term for a lot of people. And it does for me. So this way, if I'm say I'm eating, you know, pretty keto Monday to Friday, and I'm like, Oh, I don't know. like Instagram. I'm like, I will blame Instagram for all the cookie cravings. <laughs> you should, because I do too. <laughs> it is a problem. But I'm like, Oh, I want a cookie or a waffle. I don't make myself not have the thing if I really want it. And the weekend comes around, I'm like, okay, it's my day. And I want to make that thing. And it's always going to be gluten free for us. We're always gluten free in the house. And I have it and then observe, observe how I feel. And if I'm like, okay, well, I feel better mentally, emotionally, because I had that break. I didn't feel like I was so rigid or like, there's no punishment around it. It's just kind of like, all right, have it this day, enjoy it and move on. Um, And so for me, that works really well for some people who like more moderation. I don't know if keto feels good for them or not. I don't know if you would consider yourself someone who likes to more abstain from things or be a moderator. That's my hat tip to Gretchen Rubin. That's like her framework, but I don't know. So I find that that works for me. And I find that that works for a lot of people. When you give people permission to just live, I think you get a better long-term return and I would rather someone find a way to make keto feel healthy, sane, and balanced than go crazy and be like, well, I'm not doing that. And then turn back to eating Twinkies and Ho-Hos and Cheerios. Do you know what I mean? Like, why does it have to be either I eat this way that's super healthy or rigid, or I go back to this like totally unhealthy, you know, poor food quality way of eating. So if I can find a middle ground for people and show them the balance, then I'm happy with that.
0: Mm -hmm, Totally. And you mentioned diabetes type one. Do you find like it changes for that
1: when you have that? Yeah. So the reason that I like for people who, especially type one, and it could be type two as well, you know, people can get to a place where they're healing from type two, but if you have type one diabetes and you are in ketosis, right? So you have ketones in your bloodstream, super low glucose. You're not concerned about that at all. Then you decide, well, I want to have a day where I'm eating tons of carbs. The problem is you're going to spike your glucose while you also have high ketones. And this is literally the thing that people are always freaking out about with diabetic ketoacidosis, where if you have high ketones and high blood glucose, that's what you're at risk for. It's really not something that most people, aside from diabetics, can experience. Because if our, even if when we're eating keto, it's natural for us to be a little bit... I don't know if I want to say impaired, our glucose tolerance isn't as good when we're eating keto as it would be if we're not eating keto. And it's not for a pathological reason. So it's not a disease state. It's just our body kind of down regulates how quickly and readily it will clear glucose from the bloodstream. So this is another reason why sometimes those days where you do eat carbs, if it's some cherries or like fruit, not a big deal. But if you're going on a pizza and cookie bender, it might not feel good because your body's actually a little bit it's just not as good at clearing that glucose as quickly because you've not been asking it to for weeks on end. So, if you're diabetic, I I really do think that's the person for whom more non-caloric sweeteners or non-sugar based sweeteners can be helpful. Because if you want to have a birthday cake, I don't really want the diabetic eating a real sugar birthday cake because I think that that can be medically problematic. Whereas for the average person who's eating keto most of the time. I would rather them eat a cake that has a low amount of sugar, like a paleo fried cake or something like that, where it's real food, real ingredients and let their body handle it and then move on. Does that make sense? It's like some bodies can actually like handle that physiologically and some can't. Um, and so that's where I think the type one diabetic does need to be careful. And, and I actually don't know that I would want a type one diabetic, primarily being in ketosis. I think being really low carb and maybe, or maybe not being in ketosis might be an okay place for them. I definitely think low carb is a good idea for them, but whether or not they're in ketosis for me is not sort of the most important thing because I would rather them not risk diabetic ketoacidosis, but actually manage their insulin levels really well by low carb, which could be like 50 to 75 grams a day, but they could be in ketosis with that too. so. Anyway. Yeah,
0: it totally depends, and mm-hmm. to your point about glucose tolerance, I'll never forget. I've been eating keto for probably I want to say sixty days, and I had my first sweet potato, and it was like just the smallest bit of sweet potato, and I was like, uh, like I was just, I was shaking. <laughs> I just
1: wasn't used to all that. <laughs> yeah, and and some people will take that to mean, oh, sweet potatoes are totally bad for me, and I should never eat them. But they don't realize that it's actually just this down regulation of your glucose clearing and it's not there's nothing wrong with you but I I do think that regularly I know you call it a carb up or just I'm just like an off day or not not off as in bad but just like I'm not stressing about keto that day I just think that that allows for a little bit more metabolic flexibility
0: yeah and just so you can live your life so if it's your birthday you can eat some cake and not be all stressed out about it (laughs) totally I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week. And I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening, or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at healthful pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. Okay. So another piece to this whole topic about struggles and myths and unpacking pieces that people might not be clear on, uh, protein gluconeogenesis.
1: Ah, thoughts. <laughs> so I think that this gets really blown out of proportion. The fact that our body can make some glucose by breaking down protein. Okay. That's a truth, but the amount that it will make is so small. And the benefits we get from eating more protein far outweigh any risk of gluconeogenesis possibly kicking you out of ketosis. That's not to say that it doesn't happen for some people. I think that the amount of people that can affect is very, very, very slim. And I've just not seen it be the reality in practice with most people. What I see more often is people way under eating protein wondering why their hair is falling out, wondering why they can't maintain or build muscle, wondering why they're not losing body fat, and generally just not feeling great. And I'm like, well, tell me what you're eating. And it's literally this 80 to 90% fat and barely any vegetables and a plate that just doesn't look like normal food to me. And what I think people don't understand is that you could be I've basically eaten keto so many times and I have never talked about it. Nobody would know. Like if you don't go waving a keto flag, you could still easily, I'm like eating Diane salad madness over here. And I'm like, that's keto, totally keto. Nobody has to know. So I think that what people need to understand about protein is that it plays a really important role in so many things in our body, in our metabolism, in our mood. So people who are just saying, like, I'm feeling irritable, I'm feeling depressed, I'm not sleeping well, we actually need protein for all of those things to be working optimally. We need amino acids in really good amounts. We need it for proper liver function. So we know that we rely on our liver to work us through ketosis. We know that we rely on our liver to detoxify whatever's coming into the body and we rely on our liver to just maintain our metabolism in general. If there isn't glucose that it's dealing with, and again, like working through fat to get to ketones, like we need our liver to do that. Amino acids are the base for helping our liver along with minerals and B vitamins and all of that. But I just think that somehow the idea got spread about minimal protein And while I think that might be applicable, again, if your metabolism is not really working great and you're really trying to get into ketosis, or for a therapeutic ketogenic eater, which is the way I describe it in Keto Quick Start, it's like a therapeutic ketogenic eater could be someone with a neurological condition. Maybe it's a child with epilepsy or an adult with epilepsy, someone who's really trying to target healing their own neurological condition. For a period of time, keeping the protein a bit lower and seeing how that works. And then I think upping it again is a good idea. I just, it's just what I see in practice. And I bet that a lot of people who are eating keto, when they get this book and they're like, oh, I should be eating more protein and more green leafy vegetables, and they're not going to feel like junk anymore because they're actually getting what their body needs while not putting in the glucose and the sugar.
0: Yeah, I often wonder how many people stop eating keto because they don't feel well, only because they needed to eat more plants and more protein.
1: (laughs) I mean, yes, amen. (laughs) Like, praise hands, praise hands emoji, or like whatever. Like, a hundred percent. And people keep saying, "Oh, if if what you're eating is keto, I think I could do that." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess." I wasn't going to write this book, Leanne, like I, I know when we first met in person, you said your word of advice to me, the first thing you said is, I will never write another book. It's the worst thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) And I definitely wasn't going to write a keto book. But I am I don't write books for myself, like for my own purposes. You know, I don't I'm like, I don't I don't need this book. I don't even cook from recipes. You're probably the same way most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Most of us who write cookbooks, like never cook from recipes. But when I do, I'm like, oh, that was really good. I should probably do that more often. (laughs) But anyway, I saw the need for my voice. I've done this for almost a decade. And again, it was kind of like low key keto for a decade. And I watched a lot of people who do my 21 day sugar detox, which is kind of a good preliminary thing to try if you want to If you want to dabble in keto or you want to try keto, but you're like, I don't know if I could go, you know, cold turkey in one day, the 21-day sugar detox gets people really away from sugar and tons of carbs. It's not a low carb program specifically, but it does lower people's carbs because of the foods that are included and not, depending on, you know, how active you are. But that being said, lots of folks were finishing that and thinking, where do I go from here? And I've pointed them to practical paleo many times, but keto is obviously getting super popular. People are very curious about it. And I was like, listen, I've definitely sent tons of people to your book, but I was like, I have a lot to say about this. Yeah. I was like, I know that you have a sane and balanced and very like, admittedly, I only looked through your book when it came and I did my interview with you on the Balance Fights podcast, because as soon as I was like, I'm going to write a book, I, I, I don't even know what's in anybody else's book because you know, you just can't. Yeah, you look. don't want, you don't taint your brain, just like do your thing. I just remembered that you had different ways for people to approach it. I don't know how many there were, but I just know that you were not like super black and white. And so I've pointed a lot of people to that and I'll continue to do that. I'll be like, you can get my book and you can get the answer. But I just saw a need for you know, my sane, balanced voice on the topic. And honestly, I know you, even though like you're in the keto space, I just know you're not super dogmatic about it. I feel like I'm a soft landing on this topic because I actually don't care if somebody wants to eat keto or not. Like if you don't think keto is right for you, I'm not going to tell you it is and you're doing it wrong. And it, it should be right if you do it right. Like I actually don't believe that. I think that some people do really great just kind of eating paleo. I think some people do great eating, you know, gluten-free and eating rice. And I think most people just need to not eat crap. But beyond that, I'm kind of like, whatever works for you. And so for me, telling people what I think about how to do keto in a healthy, balanced, sane way was, I don't know, I saw the need for it. And I was like, okay, here we go. And admittedly, it was supposed to be a really small book, which is why it's called Keto Quick Start. It was going to be like 200 pages. And then... 384 pages later, I was like, I probably should have called it practical keto, but I just couldn't do that. Like I just couldn't.
0: Well, you just get so carried away. Like my book, the keto diet was just supposed to be a cookbook. And then I just started writing and then you write more and then you're like, well, then they need to know this. And then, oh, well, this is important. And then all of a sudden it becomes a 600 page manuscript.
1: (laughs) Totally. And thank, thank God for editors who are like, you actually don't need to tell everybody everything you know in one book and I'm like, really? Okay,
0: I'm trying. <laughs> totally, totally. Back to today's episode in a sec. Today's episode is sponsored by Perfect Keto. Perfect Keto creates the ultimate products for making the keto lifestyle easier and more effective. All of their products are dairy free, made in the USA, gluten free, doctor approved, and use zero fillers. From exogenous ketones to boost your ketone levels for mental clarity, keto bars for a quality fat snack, MCT oil powder for making your coffee fatty and creamy without the dairy, and so much more. You can get 20% off anything in their shop by by going to perfectketo.com/slash KDP. Use the coupon code KDP for your 20% off anything your heart desires. If you're unsure of the link, simply check out today's show notes for all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. I think another piece that people struggle with, and I'd love to get your opinion on, and we've dabbled a little bit in this conversation about it, is just counting and tracking. And my stance is always I'm sure similar to yours of sometimes it's good. Sometimes you don't need it, but I'd love to get your thoughts. So,
1: um, and I'm actually flipping through the book right now because I want to open it up. So I have this handy for my own reference, but I have two sort of different frameworks that I present people with. And the first thing is savvy keto. So this is the way I tell people to build a plate, regardless of counting macros or any of that, aside from the fact that, you know, I do give people a list of keto foods and I kind of categorize them by how low carb they are. And they're kind of highlighted green or like dark green for the lowest carb. And then it goes up to red if they're slightly higher carb. But for Savvy Keto, what I want people to do is build their plate by starting with protein. That's our S. Adequate fat does not mean you add mountains of fat. It just means there's adequate fat there veggies, variety, and then yes to herbs and spices. So if you follow that template and you're eating these relatively low carb veggies, you're probably going to be in ketosis and you don't need to be crazy and counting and stressed about it. In the book, I do say 30 grams of net carbs as a target, because unfortunately I have to give people a number and I hate doing that because I just don't think it's practical or realistic. You can't ever know how many grams of anything are in any food, even if it has a label, like it's just not that exact. So if you think, oh my gosh, I have to stick to 30 grams of net carbs, but I ate 31, like there is no way you can know. You may have actually eaten 25 and you thought you ate 35, like there's no way to know. So it's a target. And so I give people a way to look at it. And I say, follow that unless and until it's not working for you for whatever it is you're looking for whether or not you're in ketosis i think that that approach with you know eating relatively low carb veggies most of the time and i consider leafy greens to be free i'm like i am not counting your lettuce i just think if people are counting lettuce you are you've got your mindset totally wrong i mean if you want to eat a couple of cups of carrots and you're going to count them okay like fine count them if you want to but leafy greens I'm just, I can't, I just can't like, I just think that that is not important. However, I have a shirt that
0: says, I don't count my kale and I made it for myself. <laughs>
1: Can I have that? I want yeah, that.
0: Totally. I would totally wear that. I'll see. I, I ordered it like three years ago. I just oh like made gosh. it for myself and I wore it to yoga all the time. Cause like, nobody
1: like... knew what you were talking about. Cause they're like, I love kale. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Amen. Okay. But, but I also know after doing this work for more than a decade, whatever way people are eating, there are people are trying to lose body fat. And there are people who are doing keto perfectly and not losing body fat or not losing weight. I say body fat because I don't want you losing muscle mass and I want you losing body fat. So just watching the scale is not really the best in a way, because if you're losing muscle, that's actually the opposite of what you're trying to do. And that's actually going to slow your metabolism even further. So maybe another another topic for another day. But I think that the benefit of counting is accountability. Because a lot of people who are turning to diets like this or ways of eating that are different from what they're doing, do so because whatever they're doing isn't working for them. And honestly, I'm in the camp of I can very easily overeat for what my body needs. And I think I've watched your Instagram stories enough to know. I think you're probably in that camp too. Like if left to our own devices, we make really yummy food. You know, it overrides our, our palate and we can easily just overeat 500 to a thousand calories in a day. I don't think it's that hard. So I know there are lots of people who are like, oh, I'm a hard gainer. I can't eat more. I'm like, I don't understand your plate. I will support you, but <laughs> I don't understand it. But I think for a lot of people who come to keto Overeating is very easy. So, keto does help to regulate your appetite because if you are doing it the way I recommend with more protein and adequate fat and a good amount of fiber from your veggies, you can do well. But what if you're not seeing progress? What if three months in, you're like slamming your head against the wall because you're like, this is supposed to be helping me lose body fat? That's where I have a savvy keto daily tracker. And the way that I have people track, I tell you how many grams of carbs, protein, and fat are in foods that are commonly eaten. You can you know, customize your own. You can write foods in. I'm going to have a downloadable guide. It's on my website. So you guys can all, you know, go to balancebites.com and find it, but it show. I'm going to show it to you on video, but I know they can't all see it, but basically you can't see it here because it's light, but I give you, I give people these little boxes to cross off as they eat throughout the day. So instead of this idea of adding up to a certain number of calories or grams or whatever, it's this idea of like, here's what I have for the day. And if I haven't eaten all my protein and I'm hungry, oh, I should eat some protein. And it really helps direct people in a way of not freaking out. Like, I think you've probably seen this too. Some people are like, well, you know, I ate two meals already and I'm just not sure how I feel. And I think I'm hungry. But if you look at this tracker and you're like, okay, I've actually only eaten half my protein for the day. That's why I'm feeling a little eh you know, listless or whatever, this really helps you figure out what else do I have left to eat for the day? And I do give people a way to calculate which calorie range, and I put like an approximate because again, if you're eating, if you're shooting for 1800, but you end up somewhere in the range of 17 to 19 or even 2000, like I think that you're fine. It's just really more a target for the people who are not finding that they're having success. It's just this way of being accountable. And look, if you get to the end of your day and you're like, I ate all of those foods and I am genuinely still hungry, then you're going to eat some more protein and fat. And it's not a big deal. I'm not, I don't want anyone to be starving, but I would venture to guess that if you're honest with yourself and you do your calculation and you come out to see, okay, 1800 seems like a good target for me based on my size and my activity. I honestly think if you follow this, you will be satiated. And then if you're not fine, eat some more protein and fat. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just this little bit of um, a reining in of how far off the rails we can go when we don't know. Some people are really unaware of what portion sizes even look like. And I think that learning that for a period of time for a lot of people is very helpful. And if anybody finds that it, it causes disordered eating patterns or it's problematic or they're overly restricting, then I don't recommend that for them. It's not like everyone has to do this.
0: Yeah. It sounds very similar to my portion plates idea. Yeah. I mean, we're so aligned on that of just like, look at your plate, look at your items and then add them to there and not stress too much about it. But I totally agree with you. And um, to chat a little bit about food quality, one of our Keto Unlimited members, Michelle, has been following you for a while and had a question for you on... Hi, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. (laughs) Um, Are there instances where you're willing to be more flexible when it comes to food quality, like doing farmed fish as an example, um, when it's available?
1: Like what's kind of your feeling on food quality? Uh, My feeling on food quality is... I'm going to answer in general and answer for myself. So in general, I want people to be spending the most on high quality fats and proteins, like fats that you're buying in isolation, like ghee and olive oil, et cetera. You know, go for the organic, go for the really high quality stuff and proteins next because they do come with fats. And I think the fats are the most important thing to have the highest quality of. And as we go down from there, looking at vegetables, obviously kind of last, and we can focus on looking at the dirty dozen, the clean thirteen, and you know, if anything is really heavily sprayed with um, pesticides and fungicides and all of that, then we opt for organic in that case whenever possible. We do pretty much buy all organic produce and meats in our house. There are times where we'll buy non-organic pork. It's not my favorite thing to do, but sometimes we're at Trader Joe's and that's the option, and that's what I get. And I honestly do not stress about it one bit. I don't even give it a second thought. Like. Yes. I don't give it a second thought because my first thought is this isn't my first choice. I already know that, but I'm going to eat protein no matter what. So I'm not going to skip the protein just because it's not perfect. Um, if we can't, you know, if we can't always get, I don't always buy organic avocados, you know, there's certain things that we don't always get organic. So there's that when I'm dining out is when there's definitely a lot more leeway. And I just go for the whole foods that I like the most if it's wild salmon on the menu, I'll usually choose that. But if everything else doesn't look good, or it doesn't seem like a healthy choice, and it just says salmon, and it doesn't say wild, I'm still probably going to choose it because it's my preference. You know, it's just what I like, and it's what I want. So I think it's really important for people, because I know this is also a hot topic in the keto world. And I, I kind of laugh because I'm like, I'm like totally on the periphery of the keto world. So I was like, I don't even know, I didn't know what some of these things meant. Like, Dirty keto. I was like, that's a thing. I don't really know.
0: Lazy keto. Yeah, there's lots.
1: (laughs) First of all, those words are so negative, but I think that people want to, or like cheat day for other types of eating. I think that people want to attach these words to absolve themselves of the responsibility of putting real food into their bodies. And again, I'm not a hater. I don't care. Eat whatever you want, but to call it like dirty. I'm like that's just what you're choosing to put in your body and giving it a name doesn't actually make it healthier for you or better for you and it's not an elitist thing. I don't care if people are eating factory chicken and conventional broccoli and, you know, non-organic butter. All of that's still better for the human body. It's more identifiable to the human body than fake food. So I think that that's really where we need to be focused. Like, look, if this idea of eating keto seems intimidating, because I've been through this, right? A decade ago, I had the same conversation about paleo. And I wrote a blog post when I was blogging, you know, is, are you paralyzed by paleo perfectionism or something like that? And the same could be said for keto. If, if you're feeling like I can't do keto because I can't afford grass-fed, organic, perfect food, then like take it down a notch. Don't let anyone be overly elitist with you about things. And Just choose the best you can in the moment. I think a lot of us talk about food quality in our books. Like I I did this in Practical Paleo and I noticed that other people have done it since then. Again, I don't know like everything that's in people's books, but I give you the baseline of like, here's the baseline quality and here's where to go up from there. And as your budget allows for it and as you reappropriate what's happening in your life, where you're like, okay, actually, maybe I don't need this expensive car because food's more important to me, or I don't need a gas guzzler SUV, which I love me an SUV. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, again, not a hater. But if you're like, I don't need to be spending this much money on gas every week because I want to buy grass fed beef, that's the kind of decision and the way that you shift things over time. One thing I did in um, Keto Quick Start that I never did in any of my other books, and I'm like, I can't believe I didn't do this before. I have a whole chapter on choosing healthy fats where I actually detail the steps of the thought process of how I choose which is the most ideal fat. And I don't go through this process anymore. It's like, we already know which are the ones that we've landed on. But I think a lot of people don't understand how to differentiate even between something like avocado and olive oil, or, you know, coconut oil and ghee, like choosing between them. How do we prioritize like which is better. So I kind of take people through a five, a five step process of Here's how we decide which is the healthiest, which is the best, what's good for cooking, etc.
0: I can't wait for your book. I mean, <laughs> I saw I saw a copy
1: earlier, but like to actually feel it and see it, it's different when you can like feel it and see it. I really appreciate that because it's it. Does, I will say it does feel weird to like not have been in this community and kind of be like, I'm popping in. Hey guys, what's hey. up? <laughs> but I'm kind of like I was low key here before. I just didn't really talk about it. Um, yeah, I've been watching- I think. Yeah.
0: None of us really were in the keto community forever. Like all of us started. I mean, I was vegan when I was like, Hey guys, I've been eating bacon the last 30 days. Like, so, so yeah, I think we all got to start somewhere. And I think it gives a good, like not outsider perspective, because you're such a good educator. It's so easy to see how you would just slide right into that and be able to explain things in a different way that people just aren't
1: used to thinking of. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's like, a, that's just a, I'm not a words of affirmation person normally, but for you to say that you think I'm a good educator, honestly, like that really makes me feel good. So I appreciate that.
0: Oh yeah. How good. Yeah. You're <laughs> really good at it.
1: <laughs> um, and where can people find more from you, Diane? Okay. So keto quick start is the book. I've said that a bunch of times um, you guys can. Come find me on Instagram. It's just at Diane Sanfilippo, my name. And if you start typing Diane S, it should probably come up. So you don't have to know how to spell my last name. balancedbitescom is my website and the Balanced Bites podcast. Obviously, you guys like listening to a podcast. I had Leanne on, I don't know, it was a couple of oh, years wow. ago when your, when your yeah. book came out. Um, but we do lots of, I mean, health-oriented interviews that I think people will like, because some of them, you know, we talk about keto a bit, but 370 something episodes and more than seven years of podcasting I may have stopped blogging but I did not stop podcasting (laughs) so I think that that's honestly like my favorite way for people to find me because I feel like they get to know me the best through that and through um, Instagram and the blog cool
0: well thank you so much for coming on the show we'll include all those links in the show notes today and can't wait to get my paws on your book hey thank you Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more keto for women secrets for your fat-fueled life.